Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This comes from a restaurant somewhere in Kentucky. The Sims poster in the bathroom. The Florio poster in the dining room. I don't know what that means. I don't know why one is where you pee and the other is where you eat. But that's where we are. I can't believe they did Phil dirty like that in his home state, Christopher. (laughs) Thanks to the the viewer who sent that. (laughs) Yep, that's right. I actually have that... Poster. I actually have two of those in in my house. The, somebody the bought Florio me one. poster or the Phil I already Sims had one. one. No, the Florio poster. The Phil Sims poster is in my bathroom, but I do have <laughs> fl- two of the Florio posters. I need to get the Phil Sims poster and literally put it in the bathroom. Oh, that, that would be great. We'll get a sign for you. We'll make them like you know put a nice little note on there. That's what that's what you want to do is think about me and my family and my father when you're in the bathroom. I'm sure that's exactly <laughs> what you're looking for in life. <laughs> That was an unexpected surprise yesterday, and every time I get an email with an attachment, I always run it through the filter of, is this a scam? Are they trying to put some software onto my computer that is going to destroy my life? But I read the email enough times before. This is is something that I'm probably going to want to see, and thank you. For delivering, uh, that was good. That was that Funny. was really good. That's that's amazing. What do you? What is the Florio? Any meaning behind that? Is there a Florio wine? Is that a real thing? Yes, like, it is. Okay. Yes. Any connection yes, to is. the family there that you know of or anything there? No, no, not that I know of. All right, not that I know of. It's an Italian wine, and I actually have a couple of empty bottles from the seventies, but I have two bottles of Chianti that are actually still full. From the seventies, you know the Chianti with the 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 bamboo or whatever it is that they they wrap, you know the the classic Italian yeah. restaurant right. Chianti bottles. Yeah, w- completely full, cork in, never opened. So 
Uh, probably a little nasty after 50 years. Not that I'm ever going to drink it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, we've got that floating around. Okay. All right. And then are you going to coach a West Virginia basketball game after this today? Or what? Yes, so I am. Going? Yes, I am. <laughs> you look like Bob Huggins over there. I'm ready look to go. There. I'm ready to go. How dare you? I'm ready to go. Uh, by the way, by the way, two things before we get on to far more important matters. One, the Prince sightings are coming in. They're coming, They're coming in. Coming in. I love it. Fast and furious. He's still alive. People baby. are seeing Prince <laughs> everywhere. There are more Prince sightings than there are JFK Jr. sightings. So maybe we get to get I need to get some folks in Dealey Plaza refocused on their their efforts there. And second, second, plenty of great feedback from Seems like it, right? And readers on Nothing the Passer <laughs> and after further review, yes. alternative title, horse emoji poop emoji calls of the week yes we are getting many many requests slash demands for more i have people trying to raise other bad calls with me that we didn't include right we can't devote the whole show to it folks we know there's more than what we showed we tried to find the worst of the worst and we also have people in the league not the league office mind you in the league itself who are going to be assisting us in our weekly quest Wow! to find I love it. the horse emoji, poop emoji calls of the week. By the way, already got one submission, apparently, Christopher, yes. in the Bills-Jets game right. on Sunday. There was an uncalled incident of posturing. Oh, the old posturing call. How far was he from the sidelines this time? A half a mile, was, a quarter mile? He, Where was he at? He was glaring at the sideline. Right posturing at the sideline and no flag was thrown on this Bills player which appeared to be after a touchdown yeah. by Buffalo right posturing at the Jets sideline and maybe the reasoning was hey, they're the Jets they know they, <laughs> it's he's not, not going to upset they anybody they're not going to there's not going to be a rumble it's not going to be like the Jets from West Side Story. No, it's going to be okay. The Jets are not going to get mad. They know they stink. Maybe that's why they didn't throw the flag. Well, I think that's I think that's probably the number one thing that frustrates coaches like with these conversations is the 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 inconsistency of all of it. I think that's the one thing cuz it's hard to teach off of. You don't know what to expect. You know, one week this is acceptable, the next week we've got we we did the same exact thing and got called for a penalty three different times. So I think that's where uh, there is frustration from the coaching standpoint with the the league officiating because you just don't know what you're going to get according to that crew that week. You know how they see holding, how they see pass interference. Yeah, there some crews are a little touchy with the personal fouls as compared to others, and uh, I think that's what gets underneath the skin of a, a lot of head coaches. Well, and absolutely, and for something as ridiculous and nonsensical as posturing toward the entire opposing sideline, it will happen repeatedly and not be called. That's what irks people on the occasion when it is. Yes, and right. We can't spot every instance where posturing isn't called, just like every hit on a quarterback that doesn't draw a flag because it shouldn't draw a flag but looks as bad or worse than the incidents of hitting a quarterback that do draw a flag, that's where we get into this issue of inconsistency, unpredictability, subjectivity, and the possibility that folks out there are going to see some of these outcomes and think that 
there's a preferred winner to a game or some of the folks wearing the black and white stripes are behaving like Tim Donahue once did. Not that they are. Yeah, I got you. We have any proof that they are. There's no Tim Donahue scandal yet. But how can you not? Once that's on your radar screen as a possibility, and it's been there for over a decade now, it's been that long since the Donahue scandal, yeah. how can you not? And they always say, oh, you know, we, we, we do all the appropriate checks and we, we have all that under control. And why would we take their word for it when other things they do, they don't do very well? Why should we assume that they have that one issue completely buttoned up and nailed down and no one is going to slip through the cracks yeah, right. who shouldn't slip through the cracks? It's another reason why you pay them more you make it a high paying job you make it so there's not any temptation yeah to do something to make a little money on the side you're making more than enough that you're not going to do anything to jeopardize that thing that you are doing the more you pay them the less the chance that there's going to be some opportunity to fashion whether it's through information whether it's through the exercise of discretion in a certain way you never invite that in if you really are making this a big money job as it should be as the league continues to rake in more and more big money and again I'm aware of no incidents no situations but but it wouldn't surprise me if it happens at some point there's too many ingredients in place for it to not happen at some point over the next 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the money's huge. We know that. So, yeah. And, and of course, you, you said it right. I mean, if you're not paying the, the salaries uh, as far as a, a good salary for these refs, yeah, temptation might be there for some of them. There's no doubt. And, I mean, to your point, Mike, uh, I feel like with my friends, whoever it is, grown, you know, other uh, people who gamble on the games, you know, uh, what happens too is, I, you know, again, and I, I don't believe this, but I feel like. NBA is the one sport where people feel like the fix is in more than any other sport, you know, and of course the Tim Donahue thing is, you know, the jump off point for that. And I, I still feel like there's a lack of a, a trust there with people a little bit. You know, I just, it, I hear it every year during the playoffs. Oh, they'll, you know, they'll make sure there's a game five tomorrow. Don't you worry. They'll, they'll do that. Oh, they'll call the game. So there's another game six. They want to maximize these TV deals or, you know, so So uh, that's what we don't want. We don't want people questioning the sport. The sport is great. We know that. There's a lot of hardworking people. They're trying to do the right thing. But, yes, it does seem like the NFL is uh, a little on the cheap side in this department. And I feel like they're flirting with danger over basically what amounts to pennies for them, you know, to make sure things are secure and, and, you know, a better future for the league, especially with all the uh, gambling going on. And obviously there's no incentive for the NFL to ever do anything like that because there's not going to be more games than the one game that's played in the postseason. And I also think that the NFL has grown to the point where it's beyond the perceived desire to have New York versus L.A., big market versus big market. The Super Bowl is the Super Bowl regardless of who plays in the game. It doesn't matter. Yeah, And I, I know that that some playoff games will yield a higher audience than others because of the following of the team that's involved. You get the Cowboys to a conference championship game for the first time in 26 years. Yeah, it's probably going to have a little bit of a higher rating, but it's not going to dramatically change the money that the NFL is going to make. I think if we ever have shenanigans now, now there may be some biases against certain teams that manifest themselves in the flags thrown 
against that team, or more importantly, the flags not thrown against their opponents. I think that's a, an issue we don't think about very much, but it could be that some teams benefit far less from fouls against their opponents than others, and it wouldn't surprise me if that hasn't happened. But for the most part, I don't think the NFL really cares who wins and loses games. I really don't. The I bigger don't concern is right. that you get a, a Donahue situation. And right. That's something we're going to – look, we want what's best – for the sport and if the stewards of the sport and obviously we aren't we're external stewards of the sport if the internal stewards of the sport have lapses have procedural issues defects problems i think it's our obligation to rattle the cage and get them to fix it that's exactly why we're doing this yeah you know i still get that question why do you hate the nfl do you not understand we're trying to help we're trying to make it better we're trying to eliminate these side issues yeah. that that dampen the enthusiasm for right. some. And right. there will be. I'm telling you, I know that the league's attitude is we don't need to do anything because there's no alternative. We have no competitor. No one's going to not watch because there are these horrible calls. I get the random emails, and who knows if if the people actually follow through on it. You can always say it, and sometimes it just makes you feel better to say it. But I'm starting to hear from people who are getting disenchanted. And, you know, why even risk that? Yeah, why let I your fans that. get to the point where right. they say, I'm going to do something else on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, no, I I, I hear you there. I, I think there is a, a group of people that have been disenchanted to a degree with some of that stuff and, you know, other stuff that's gone on on and off the field with players. But, yeah, you're right. Why risk it? Why? Why risk it when it's just such an easy fix? I think that's what we keep coming back to. That's where that's the main thing. Oh, Sky Judge. Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, again, pennies. You know, technology with chains, first downs, wiring the field to make sure we get spots right. I mean, pennies in the big picture of things. Full-time contracts for the referees, same thing. I mean, again, it's, it's, it's one deal with DraftKings or, or FanDuel. It's like, it, it's, it's like a fraction of that deal pays for all of that. So uh, that's where I think you and I get frustrated why they don't go the extra mile to kind of figure that out. One of the justifications I hear for paying the commissioner $64 million a year is that when you split it up 32 ways, it's only $2 bucks per team. All right, fine. Apply that mindset to all of these other things yeah. that you're too cheap to do. Right. Whether it's full-time officials, whether it's a sky judge or a booth umpire, whether it's embracing technology, and the technology keeps getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, the cameras are cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, do it. Embrace it. Make it happen. There's complacency and borderline arrogance that is keeping it from happening, and we're trying to bust that bubble yeah. and make the game better and avoid a Tim Donahue situation, which would be disastrous for the league, and avoid people just saying, you know, I, I'm i not satisfied with these outcomes anymore, and I'm not going to watch, and people who do believe the fix is in, even if they believe it incorrectly. That's our mission. That's our goal. That's right. And if the people who are actually responsible for the sport don't like it, tough crap. Tough crap. You should be glad not upset that we're trying to do this and you should wake up and try to make things better so we don't have to do it. That's all we're going to say about that. Boom. So continue. Mic drop the right there. He might drop that on the way on out. Thursday Bam. morning. All right, let's go. But we're still here. The mic has not moved and we are still here and we are ready for Thursday night football. Yeah. Week 11, Super Bowl 51 rematch. The red hot New England Patriots take on the Atlanta Falcons. And yes, at some point, we hope the score will be 28-3 to Atlanta so we can watch another furious comeback. Then, you know, this is a strange juxtaposition. We've got 
a Patriots team that won 45 to 7 on Sunday. Right. And a Falcons team that was blown out, sir, 43 to 3 by the Cowboys. It doesn't bode well for the Falcons to recover on a short week, and it should be, in theory, easy for the Patriots to keep it rolling a few days later. I would think so. I mean, again, yeah, the Falcons, they're, they're going to be mad. Of course, you know, prideful, everything. They need to bounce back. I mean, that, that's one that's just a nasty taste in your mouth. You know, when you're down, what was it? They were down, what, 36 to 36 to 3 at halftime or 30? It was something around that range last week. I mean, the game was clearly over with about four or five minutes left in the second quarter. Like, over. So, you know, again, I'm expecting a little bit of a, you know, a bounce-back effort from the Atlanta Falcons. And then the one thing you can count on from the New England Patriots is they don't care. They don't care that they won 45 to 7. That's the beauty up there. You could walk in the building the next day and you'd be like, wait, did we win 45 to 7? Or did we squeak out in a, a game and barely win it and, and, and not play well by the way the coaches act and, and the way the atmosphere is there? So they're not going to be affected by last week anything. They're going to continue to push forward because of General Belichick, and he's going to expect nothing about nothing less than we're going to get better today. We're gonna, we still made mistakes in that game, and we're going to fix those problems and everything like that. But the, the Patriots, come on. You know, we've been talking about it. This is it's arguably the hottest team in football. They found their mojo. They did. I don't know if it was the Cowboys game or the Tampa game that gave them the little jolt they needed, but winning five out of the last six, the offense has turned the corner after being, you know, sluggish very much so early in the year. They've become an efficient machine. The offensive line got healthy. They're dominant. Mac Jones continues to make more plays. So there's a lot of positives right now in New England. And yeah, like to your point. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think they're gonna let off the gas or be complacent just because they had a big blowout win against the Browns last week. And there's another reason for them to not be complacent on Thursday night after getting a blowout win on Sunday because last year when they had their Sunday Thursday turnaround, they were in LA. They won 45 oh, nothing, right. not 45 seven over the Chargers, and they got steamrolled by the Rams. Ran all over them. That was the night where we realized, hey, this Cam Akers is pretty good yeah. because he was unstoppable. Right. And it was an embarrassment for the Patriots. So it's even more ammunition for New England to treat everything as business as usual after winning 45-7. And my guess is Bill Belichick in his first meeting with the team after that win over the Browns reminded guys, hey, we had a big Sunday win yeah, last year, right? and four days later, we got our asses kicked. So wake up. Now, yeah. it, it's still going to be hard for them to you know, regard the Falcons like the Rams if a year ago, but it can happen. And in this crazy upside-down NFL season, wouldn't it be fitting if the Falcons won after losing by 40 to a team that just won by 38? Yeah. That would... That would be on brand for this season. It would be. I know. It's hard to get it. And then, of course, Thursday nights, it always seems crazy, too. You don't know what to expect. But I think, like, I would be shocked. I would be shocked. Not to say I'd be shocked if Atlanta won some close football game, but I'd be a sh I'd be shocked that uh, – well, I'm, you know what? I'm going to say it right now. Yeah, I'll be shocked if Atlanta won the game, period. I don't, I don't know any other way to say it. I would be absolutely shocked. I mean, again, more shocked than you were last week when the Dolphins beat the Ravens. Um, mm, that's a good one. Mm, no, I, I, I guess I would be more shocked. I would be more shocked. You know, last week I, I, I did think that the Dolphins would hang around. If you remember from our picks podcast, yes, I yes, picked that. Yeah, I yes. thought they would kind of hang around and keep it close just because of the matchup itself. But 
I, with this New England team, and I think what makes them you know different than last year and just different altogether, a lot of new pieces. I think they found the excitement of like, wait, we've we've figured out here how to play the New England way, and we whoa, this Belichick guy. I mean, it hasn't been easy, but we finally figured out what he wants, and. I just feel like we're sitting here watching a repeat of history. That's kind of the one thing I've been kind of beating on my podcast a little bit, Mike, is just I feel like we're watching the 2001 Patriots all over again. It's it's the same story. It's like he's built. He's starting to build a dynasty here. Big physical defense, you know, good corners, secondary, of course, well coached and creative on that side of the ball. Offensively, you know, can run the ball, control the clock. Got a quarterback that makes a handful of clutch throws every game. They don't make mistakes, and they kind of just play that style of football to where it, it just feels like we got like a young Brady at quarterback and a team that really knows how to play, manage the situations, knows how to play in the red zone, knows how to play on third downs, you know. And of course, the running game and the and the jump off they've got off of that the last few weeks to me that's really changed the team. The offensive line is special, and Ramondre Stevens uh, Stevenson, the rookie from from Oklahoma, to me has changed their football team. He really has. He's a special runner. You see him here. I mean, he's two hundred and forty something pounds. Look how quick his feet are, and he can he can break long runs too. He's the perfect New England runner to kind of impose the physical will of their football team. And uh, I, I just can't say enough about the Patriots. The Patriots right now, to me, even though it's not a high-flying show, are one of the more fun watchers in football just because because of the physicality and how they manage the game. And they just do everything to a T, just right all the time. And I think that's what excites me and probably their, their whole fan base right now. But did, did you catch the uncalled taunting after that touchdown? See, I, we're I, looking for it all the I, time. Well, yeah, now. right. Pandora's box is open now, right? Because we just want consistency. If yeah. you're going to call what they called on Cassius Marsh, then when you get a guy who scores a touchdown and he bangs face masks with an opponent and shouts in his face, I- I'm just I'm just looking for an understanding of what is and what isn't a foul. Yeah, yeah. and they're I creating these fluctuating standards all over the place. All right, but Stevenson, yeah, he had 100 yards last week and a couple of touchdowns. Damian Harris is cleared to return, and yeah. they've been back to that three-headed monster. Brandon Bolden's gotten more looks this year right. on offense, and I know it drives fantasy owners crazy because there isn't that one guy that you can count yeah, on any given week, right. but that's the way they do things. Yes. And how about this, Chris? They have outscored their opponents during the four-game winning streak they're currently on by the tune of 150 to 50. That's 37 to 12 on average every week. They have figured it out, and they have just quietly, as we're trying to discern who the great teams are, I feel like as that that radar scans, where's the great team, where's the great team, for whatever reason, people are overlooking the Patriots. Yeah, they and are. I don't know how many more wins they have to rack up right. before people start saying, maybe it's them, but maybe it is them, and maybe tonight's the night when it's the only game on and we're going to settle in and watch it and if they can thump the Falcons maybe more people will say if they move to 7 and 4 and get to five straight wins hey patriots are a real threat here patriots may win the division from the bills there's still two games coming up between the bills and right. the patriots including a monday right. nighter next month which is going to be must see tv yeah uh, the, the the patriots could make a run even at the one seed, if the Titans stumble at all down the stretch, 
the Patriots could make a run at being the top seed in the AFC. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't disagree. I mean, they're, they're hot. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see them continue to rip off a bunch of wins here. They match up pretty well with Buffalo. They're going to give Buffalo problems, I think, in some areas. I, I certainly not going to say I'm going to pick them to win the game, but I would think it's going to be very close and come down to the wire. The other thing I'll say off of that, like Mike, and I don't know if you agree with this not or not, but you know, for me, for my money in the AFC, the two teams playing the best football right now are clearly Tennessee and New England. They are the most consistent football teams in that conference, you know, and not a, not like any glaring weakness on either team right now that you look at to go, well, they have this one area. I'm a little not sure about it. You know, these are the two AFC teams that that, that uh, the only two AFC teams that I, I feel like I can say that about. I know some other teams, they got some questions, you know, and then maybe they make up for that with, whoa, they're really great in that one area too, though. So that makes up for that. But here across the board, you know, what I think with what I love about New England and what Bill Belichick and company have done with the football team is, yeah, they might not have like built a team of superstars and you just go, wow. But I think they've gotten to like what Bill Belichick has always done, you know, why they've been great for 20 years. He has built a team that has versatility in a matchup league to match up with any team. And I think that's the gift of Belichick. So there's never a team or a style of play that comes into town or Thursday night or whatever where they go, oh, man, whoa, wait, we don't match up right with them. They can kind of do it all now. He's got the roster in place to really now it comes back to, wait, I got the pieces. Now I can use my brain here and my coaching with my staff. And now we come up with how are we going to use the pieces this week to beat that football team. And to me, that's the gift of the Patriots and why they're a dynasty. You know, in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, we had those great teams, the Niners, the Steelers, right? The, the Cowboys, they could dominate and do that. But in the, the, the era of free agency and salary cap, it's hard to have that team anymore. So he's opted for maybe instead of a roster of 12 A-plus players and a bunch of, you know, C-minus players behind that, he's gone, you know what, I'm just going to get a bunch of B players, B-plus players, and now my coaching will make up for it and I can match up with anybody, and that's where I just see this thing going right now for them, and I think that, that excites me a lot. And when my starting running back is injured, I know that my backup is going to be exactly, able to come in and get it exactly. done. And I've got, I've got what Fail I need. Fail-safe plans always. At the second level. Right. A robust middle class right. of backups right. that you can trust when you inevitably have COVID reserve, injured reserve, for any reason whatsoever, a guy can't play. No doubt. The next man up comes in and almost matches completely yeah. what the guy in front of him did. Right. We're getting to the point in the season, too. And it really does jump up on you. I'm so used to pulling up a team's schedule on their website and like this long scroll through 17 games. There aren't many left. No. And speaking of the Titans, the Patriots get yeah. a mini bye. Right. And they play the Tennessee Titans at home yeah. week 12. Boom. I know. Then the next game is at Buffalo, Monday Night Football, week 13. And then a bye week, a very, very late bye for the Patriots. But then they load up the cannon and they finish Colts, Bills, Jaguars, Dolphins. They, oh man, this is going to get very interesting down the stretch. They have a chance to take a chunk out of that Titans lead for the one seed. Yeah. And then they get the home and home against the Bills that will most likely decide the AFC East. Yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, of course, you know, yeah, I we, we saw. I mean, the, the Patriots, the way they're playing, they can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with 
with any of these teams, hands down. I mean, Tennessee is they're a very similar team. I mean, it's it's really even the way they're built. Of course, their GMs from New England. The head coach is a New England guy. So there's a very similar approach there right now. So I don't think we should be shocked that, you know, it is. It's two teams that can kind of match up with anybody. You know, they know how to play on a weekly basis that fits them, you know, against that team. Uh, and and I think that that's what's amazing uh, about the Patriots right now. It really is. And, you know, added to that, you know, you look at their schedule and who they played early in the year. You know, I look at it and just go, yeah, they've won five out of the last six. You know, man, and had a tough loss against the Cowboys, a tough loss against the Bucks. blew a game in week one in the Miami Dolphins versus the Miami Dolphins. You know, I sit here and I'm one to think like, man, if they played the Cowboys or the Bucks again right now, I'd like to see how that goes down. You know, I do. I just think it's a different team. There's a belief now in New England, I think, with the football team after those huge wins that you talked about. And they're getting that little aura back where it's just like, uh-oh, here comes the evil empire. Dun, 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 and uh, I don't know. I love it. I love the old school approach. I love the fact that how they manage the game so much. And, you know, the one thing I always go back to, Mike, too, is – they're such a big team. I mean, when you look at their offensive line and how big they are there, their defensive line, when they're in the 3-4. Last week, I'm watching the Browns. I mean, they got three, three linemen that are all 310-plus. They got, you know, three linebackers that are all 260-plus, 270-ish. They have two linebackers that are bigger than the defense ends for the Cleveland Browns. You know, so there they can go, oh, we got, you know, Derrick Henry or the Titans, you know, and that type of team coming down. I know Derrick Henry's not there, and they want to run the ball and play Smash Mouth. Well, good luck. They got a bunch of giants in there. Oh, wait, this week we got a team, you know, that passes the ball and wants to throw the ball around the lot like the Buffalo Bills. Well, great. They got corners and safeties growing on trees in New England. So they can really do it all that way, too. And I think that's uh, the just the magic of Belichick. I also think, Mike, that's the reason why they cut the cord with Brady because they didn't want to go all in on just trying to make it all good for Brady. He wanted to build another team here and make one more run at, like, you know, a dynasty or maybe get into the Super Bowl a handful of more times. And uh, I don't know. I'm sorry to talk so much, but I guess I'm a little excited. No, it's as you good. Can say. It's fascinating. Yeah. And, and this return of the Titans to New England next Sunday is fitting because it was the Titans who popped the balloon on the yeah, Brady right. Belichick Patriots with a playoff win 2019, the interception of Brady, the pick six for his last action as a member of the Patriots in New England, Logan Ryan scoring that touchdown. And that could be a symbolic moment in this rise of the Patriots. And yeah, Brady's already got his one with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I tend to agree with everything you're saying. Bill Belichick trying to lay the foundation for another three and four years type of a thing right. before he walks off into the sunset. And I just hope that at some point the Patriots and the Buccaneers meet. That oh, would be Bowl. amazing. I know. You picked it last year. I know. And, you know, it, it, hey, who knows? It could happen this year. Maybe this is the year it happens. I mean, it. it I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked. I would not be shocked. Uh, but – yeah, I think that's ultimately what I come to when you look at it. And, hey, they got their own version of their own young Brady and, and, and Mac Jones. You know, I look at him more like of a Drew Brees. He's a bigger Drew Brees. 
I guess I think he's a little different than Brady. Brady's arm, I think, was more gifted. But either way, the mindset, the ability to take the coaching, they're going to they're gonna massage him and, and manifest him into a leader to where it's it, one of these days we're going to look and then we go, oh, look, look at him. He's yelling at the O-line on the sidelines and he's getting everybody on edge a little bit. He's just like Brady. Here we go. I think Mac Jones has that in him. I do. And we've seen him change throughout the year, too. And his confidence level has gone up and up and up. You know, now, early in the year, oh, dink and dunk. Hey, he's efficient. Great job reading defenses. He's not ruining games for the team other than maybe the Saints game. You know, now we're going, well, he's doing that. Plus, he's making like five or six throws every game where you go, wow, that, that was a high-level, unbelievable throw. Got them down there in the red zone. Scored a touchdown. So uh, there's a lot of positives in New England right now, and um, a lot of that credit, of course, goes to Bill Belichick. To the Falcons fans out there who have recovered from the stomping that was suffered at the hands of the Cowboys on Sunday, we will mention your team here in a minute. But before we do that, Chris, there was an exercise we engaged in on PFTPM yesterday where we redrafted the quarterbacks for round one of this past year based on what we know now. So I'll just ask you this as it relates to Mac Jones. Yeah. Who do you think pulls the trigger on Mac Jones? Knowing what we know now, if they had a chance to do it again, do the Jaguars take him at one? Do the Jets take him at two in part to keep him away from Bill Belichick? Do the 49ers take him at three? Where do you think he goes? Hmm, I know. Well, he's, he's, he's obviously been the best one to this point. You know, and you know, he's had a good support system, and they manage games and do things the right way. I'm, I'm still not sold to his high-end talent and – you know, where he could be in a year or two is going to be where Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson is. I still look at that and go, no, I, I just see more of a, um, you know, a, a, a bright, unbelievable future for those guys or even a Justin Fields. But, you know, I have a hard time thinking if we're going to redraft that, that like first off San Francisco isn't going to do that, you know, and take Mac Jones at number three. You know, I, I don't know if like the Jags – or the Jets would change their decision because I think the Patriots of Belichick, you know, they wanted a quarterback that they knew, like, hey, we got a team that's, you know, we think is going to be kind of close and ready here with what they did in free agency in the draft. They didn't want to, like, have to groom a guy who's raw like Wilson or Trevor Lawrence. So I think there was, like, hey, the Jaguars and the Jets are playing the long play. But if you just had to, like, Mike, draft them from what we've seen this year, pure play. I'd probably go Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. That they're just from what we've seen this year. You know, again, I'm I'm not gonna come off my horse of like Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson excite me the most still. Um, but like we talked about, yeah, they are raw. You know, they're a part of teams that are on a, a rebuild. But I think Justin Fields has probably been the biggest, most pleasant surprise to me. Mac Jones, you know, he's everything we kind of talked about. You know, just the most pro-ready. He understands the pocket. He makes great reads. You know, even though they might not always go, wow, wow. Even there's a handful of plays every game where you go, well, there's nobody there. There's nothing open. Oh, man. I mean, he had to hit the bullseye to get that completion. He hit it. That's where he's special. That's what we saw coming out in the draft. And, um, you know, he's he's proven his backers in, in that capacity right. I, I'd like to have seen Justin Fields as the full season starter. Yeah, me too. I, I think know. we've seen a lot from him lately. Definitely. That suggests if they had gone all in with him, 
from day one, maybe we'd be saying he's the best of the bunch. And, Could be. and if they were if they were able to do this this completely impractical but fun to talk about redraft, I can't imagine that Woody Johnson would not be leaning on his people to keep Mac Jones away from the New England Patriots, if only to disrupt what the Patriots are trying to do. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, regardless, Mac Jones has ended up being pretty good because the Patriots have, as you said, put the players around him, the pieces around him, and it looks like they're going to make it to the playoffs, and they're going to be very dangerous when they do. You look at the rest of their schedule, there aren't many losses that are just screaming off the page. They could run the table, frankly, the way they're currently playing. Yeah. But I think they will win enough to get in. What they do when they get there is going to be fun to watch because single elimination, Bill Belichick and company, they got a little history oh, with that. And they little. do have that history yeah. with the Atlanta Falcons. Let's talk about the Falcons for a little bit. And let's sure. begin by letting Bill Belichick talk about their first-round pick, Kyle Pitts, who started a little slowly but has come on as the season has unfolded. Here's Belichick from yesterday about Pitts. Yeah, Pitts is a really, really talented player. Um, he's he's very long, um, has excellent hands. It's good quickness to get off the line, good quickness at the top of his route. He has a huge catch radius, uh, has made some spectacular one-handed catches where um, the defenders are kind of grabbing at his other arm. He can only get one hand on the ball, and he still hauls it in. Um, again, he's a big target. Um, you know, Ryan's a very accurate quarterback, but... Um, he's a huge target. He's hard to overthrow, and and he, he makes plays with the ball on either side of him that you know most receivers just can't make. So it's um, you know, somewhere between a Julio Jones and a Tony Gonzalez. And that is high praise. The hybrid of the tight end and the receiver who can do everything and really has come on for the Falcons. And Woo. hey, going into that game against the Cowboys. They were riding high. They'd beaten the Saints. They held on after the Saints had the big comeback, and they're at 4-4, four and four, and they're right in the thick of things. They were holding the seventh seed going into last weekend. So I don't see them just curling up in a ball tonight and surrendering the game to the Patriots. They're going to come out with what they have, and they have Kyle Pitts, and this is a chance for him to have a little bit of a breakout in prime time. The only time this year... We're going to be paying close attention to the Falcons. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, you gotta you gotta respect what the Falcons are doing. The fact that they're sitting here four and five to me is is shocking. It is. I didn't expect that. So that's like a lot of credit to Arthur Smith, uh, Matt Ryan, what they've done. They've gutted out some tough football games to get some tough wins, and yeah, created a little mojo for themselves. Definitely, Kyle Pitts. You know, yeah, he said Julio Jones, Tony Gonzalez. I've kind of been saying like. He's a bigger Megatron that's maybe just a little slower, but I think it's the same type of thought. I mean, again, it, it's special. He can block, yet you can line him out at receiver and put the other three receivers on the other side and really cause a problem for the defense to go, well, you, you better put a safety over there, or he's just too big and fast for anybody uh, on your team to cover for the most part. Now, I will say the Patriots have some bigger type guys for this, but I don't know if anybody can really cover this guy man-to-man and hold him down. The problem to me with the Falcons, and again, a lot of respect here, is just that's it. That's it. That's all there is. There's no run game. You know, Arthur Smith has got a good system, but if they don't have Cordell Patterson tonight, there's nothing other to think about other than Matt Ryan to Pitts. And that, to me, never bodes well when you're playing the New England Patriots. I mean, we know that uh, Belichick is is famous for taking away your favorite thing. 
Well, clearly the Atlanta offense's favorite thing, their best thing, is Kyle Pitts. So I would have a hard time believing that they're going to just let him go off tonight. I would. And that, to me, then goes into the question of what else are they – what's the next move for Atlanta? And, and when I look at the game, I just go, I, I don't know. I don't see it. You know, I, I don't see it. And I know they beat the Saints a few weeks ago. I do, but I think this defense in New England's a little more built to stop this Atlanta offense or stop a guy like Pitts. It's not a division team where they have a great feel for them like the New Orleans Saints there. And uh, in a lot of ways, right, I think New England's offense poses some more problems for Atlanta's defense than the, the, than the Saints did. So, you know, I don't know where this lies. I got a lot of respect, like I said, for the Atlanta Falcons, but I think that's the thing that would worry me about tonight is there's, just, there's, there's only one avenue I look at to go, okay, that's their bread and butter. If that's not there, where does it go from there? I know Matt Ryan will make a few completions here and there, but I just don't know if there's enough to, to keep the, the great New England defense and Belichick, you know, off their backs consistently through the night. You mentioned Cordero Patterson. He is a game-time call due to an ankle injury, and it's been fun to watch his career, kind of a delayed reaction flourish. I remember his contract year with the Vikings, fourth season there. They started using him as a gunner on the punt team, and they realized he's not just a kick returner and a guy who can't figure out how to be a receiver. There's more there. And then as he moves around the league a little bit and develops more skills, and he becomes a guy who lines up in the backfield on a consistent basis. Was in New England. Technically a running back for fantasy football purposes. He lines up at receiver, and he does a better job running routes than he did in Minnesota. He does all sorts of things. He's a fun guy to watch, and he really makes things happen. And if they don't have him tonight, that really does make it harder to pivot from, as you said, Bill Belichick taking away the thing you do best. You need to have a counter. They may not have the counter that they need if Patterson can't play or if he plays and he's not the guy he usually is. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, he's, he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades. He, he's, a, he's a guy that my, my, my brother played with him at the University of Tennessee, and I can still remember being in the family area after a game. I think they were playing Alabama that year, and he came, I just, he came out of the locker room, and again, he was one of those guys, just like a Brandon Marshall or – uh, you know, some other bigger type receivers that I played with where you just went, holy crap, I did not realize he was that kind of specimen, that kind of like just human being. He has got big, broad shoulders. He is rocked up. Like you said, he can do everything as far as wide receiver, running back, awesome at special teams. He can be an awesome blocker as a wide receiver. He really does it all, and he creates mismatch issues. Remember, we we had a game. Uh, he had a game a few weeks ago. I, I can't remember exactly which one it was, but Drew Brees broke a play down because he was in at running back. So they split him out at wide receiver, and they motioned him out there. Well, what happened? The team was playing man, and they sent a linebacker out there with him. Because, wait, wait, usually when the running back goes out, you send a safety or a linebacker to cover him if you're in man-to-man. Well, you can't do that with that guy. You're, you've basically gone, wait, we, we got a linebacker covering a receiver who runs 4-3. But, yeah, he plays running back because he's tough and physical and do all that too. So that's where he's special and where he was really good for Atlanta because he causes some problems for the defense as far as, wait, how do we treat him? What personnel set are we in here? How are we going to do that? You know, What coverage is we going to call because they might split him out? He might be a tailback. And to not have him certainly would, will hurt their offense tonight. 
He has missed only one game in his entire career. Four seasons with the Vikings, one with the Raiders, one with the Patriots, two with the Bears. He already has a career high in receiving yards through nine games. Career high. And he has only missed one game in his career. And he has a career high in rushing yards through nine games. And when you combine it, he is at 800, no, 700, carry the one, 776 total yards from scrimmage so far this year for the Atlanta Falcons doing both. Oh, and, and, and also he, he's still, uh, is he doing returning? Is he returning kicks? I don't know that he is. I don't see that on this stat chart, but that's how he made his name initially. That was what he could do instinctively. He has developed his game over time into a versatile player. And it's great to see a guy not give up on the game. You know, a lot of times a receiver comes in and it flames out and maybe he shouldn't have been a first round pick and it's not working and you see him end up at the bottom of a roster somewhere and he hangs around and then he's gone. He's really found a way to just he become has. a football player. Yeah, that's right, and Mike. That's it. You're right. I'm surprised the Patriots didn't keep him around. Yeah, this I, is exactly yeah, I the kind of guy the Patriots would love to have. You're right. He is. He is that that kind of guy. You know, I, I think that's why they got him originally because yeah, he is that guy that's mismatches and he's awesome on special teams. We know how the Patriots value that type of player. Uh, but yeah, I think you said it well. He hung in there and he said, "Okay, wait, I'm not the perfect receiver, but I'm still a specimen. I love the game, and I'm going to be a football player." Uh, so hopefully he can go tonight because that will make it a little more intriguing. I like to see what Belichick would have to do there. Uh, you know, so that, I mean that's the problem for the Atlanta offense. And then if you switch it over to the Atlanta defense, right, with a little bit the same story, like respectable respect to Dean Pease and Arthur Smith throughout the defense plays for the for the better part of the year. Not last week, of course, but you know they're not. They're in a rebuild there. They could say what they want, but I mean again. You know, there's no star player on that defense. There's no marquee unit within the defense that you look at and go, oh, they are really special right there. And, you know, the pass defense is good because Dean Pease is a real good defensive coordinator and he understands how to break down offenses. But the, the issue I look at tonight more than anything is just can they slow down the run game? And that's been an issue for Atlanta. They're one of the more poor run stopping defenses in football. And man, here we are on a Thursday night. And they got arguably the hottest running team in the game right now coming into town with a whole bunch of big dudes. And like you said, the three-headed monster at running back. And that's where I think it could put them in a, in, a, in a tough spot tonight. I think we have done everything we can to convince anyone out there when they looked at this matchup, why bother tonight? It will be fun to watch. Let's see what the Patriots that's right. can do. Can they get to five in a row? What will the Falcons be able to do? Will Cordero Patterson play? And above all else, it's football. It's on TV. What else are you going to do tonight other than enjoy it? There aren't a whole lot of these games left as we creep closer and closer to December 1. Let's take a break. We will pivot to the greater New York metropolitan area where the Mike White era is over. What? There was one. He's the future. There was one. Trade the team away. We just need Mike White. Quaker has been a trusted name in breakfast for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, and the ballpoint pen. And while a lot of things have changed since then, some things have stayed the same, like the great taste and quality of Quaker oats. Quaker has something for everyone, like old-fashioned and quick oats, great for cooking and baking, or instant oatmeal in different flavors and varieties, whether it's lower sugar or added protein or fiber. Quaker oats can satisfy the whole family. There's even... Quaker Fruit Fusion, 
with real fruit pieces, added vitamins, and no artificial colors for a bold start to a bold morning. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats in your local grocery store. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. I still got a lot of confidence in Mike, you know, just... Uh, again, you know, the, the, this market fascinates me in the sense that, you know, he, he was anointed uh, the next coming after one game and now everyone wants to throw him away. Like, he, he deserves better than that. Mike White's back. You know, Joe is uh, uh, just that veteran. You know, what, one of the reasons why we went and got Joe is for the experience part of it, not only for the playing ability and uh, but for the room, but also for situations just like this. You know, Miami's got a, a dynamic uh, uh, coverage system as, as it pertains to defense with zero and all the different coverages they run and and Joe's kind of been there done that and uh, just kind of a steadying experience uh, that we felt would put us in the best position to win. A little bit of a 180 there from Robert Sala on Monday. Mike White doesn't deserve to be thrown away on Wednesday. We're throwing him away for Joe Flacco. Flacco starting this weekend for the Jets and it was weird given how well Mike White played the juxtaposition of that with trading for Joe Flacco, and Flacco wasn't even in uniform for a couple of games. They could have used him that Thursday night against the Colts, but he was not active for the game, and now he's going to be active. He's going to be the starter. I don't know that it's going to make much of a difference. I don't know why you don't give Mike White more reps, yeah. let him develop. Right. He doesn't have to be anointed, but it would be good to have a competent backup behind Zach Wilson moving forward. Sure, sure. Chris, th- th- this gets... For me, back to the basic premise that dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things. And as Joe Judge said a few weeks back, the fish stinks from the head down. He just was a little bit lower on his target as to where the head is. This, to me, is like so many other things that have gone wrong with the Jets in recent years. This is all flowing from ownership. And it would not surprise me if somewhat higher than Robert Sala or Joe Douglas, this seed was planted to see what Joe Flacco can do because we can't put Mike White back out there again after the way that he played on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm with you a little surprised too. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, again, Mike White, you know, yeah, did some positive things. We know had that big comeback win against the Bengals. Yes, that was awesome. Uh, you said it right. Maybe you groomed just to be like a really awesome backup. You know, who knows? Maybe you groom him into something to where – you know, he's that guy that a team trades for in a year or so. They go, well, well, we think, you know, we got an injury at quarterback. We think he could come in and be our starter and do something for us. But I also think, Mike, like, 
what has to go into their logic, at least a little, if I try to put myself into the Jets' shoes, you know, I, I would bet they're a little scared, a, a little bit, because they don't want to – they've had a lot of blowouts lately. They have. And I think even with this game with the Cincinnati Bengals where he came back and did some really good things, uh, and I know I've kind of been funny and negative on the Mike White thing, and it's not because of Mike White. It's because of the Jets fans. You know that. But, like, even with that game, you know, the Bengals game where he came back, it was it was millimeters away from being a disaster there. It was almost a disaster. Yeah, there was the two early interceptions. There was another handful of plays that were also dropped interceptions by Cincinnati. So I think they had to probably look at that and go, wait, that was good, but, man, we dodged a few bullets on that one. Then not maybe being, you know, available, dependable against the Colts, you know, took some big shots, certainly. You could see, like, hey, when you haven't played a lot, your clock as far as how close people are and, you know, I'm going to try to throw this ball, but, wait, that's not a good decision. Someone's bearing down on you, and you're not going to get it off, and you're going to get your arm hit as you're throwing the ball or the ball's going to pop in the air. That probably scared him. And even last week, again, you know, the Bills' offense was – not like a high-functioning machine early on. And I know they have a really good defense. I mean, the Bills started the game with their first three drives, like on the Jets' side of the, the field. And the Jets' defense hung in there and held them to 10 points. You know, but, but at the same time, as bad as last week was for the Jets' offense, I think if you, anybody goes back and watches the film, he threw four interceptions. He could have thrown seven or eight easily. The, 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 the Bills dropped two or three that hit them right in the chest. And I think they probably looked at it that way going, wait, we can't lose again 45 to 17 or, or, you know, have a huge meltdown against a team like the Dolphins where we're looked at as like we should be somewhat equal. And that's where I think it goes back to what Salah said as far as like Joe Flacco. He's probably going, well, at least he'll understand where to go with the ball, get us in the right protections with all those crazy blitzes that we saw Dolphins kill the Ravens with last week. And maybe just like that, more of that calming influence. And this is where the ownership dynamics do come into play. This isn't about getting Mike White reps and developing him to become a competent backup to Zach Wilson down the road. This is about New York billionaire Stephen Ross, who I believe wanted to buy the Jets I when they were for right. sale yeah, and ended up buying the Dolphins. And so this is a little bit of that ego among oligarchs where – Ross is bringing his team to his hometown, and he would love nothing more than to kick the crap out of the Jets. So Woody Johnson would love nothing more than to keep that from happening. So who gives us the best chance to win this game? Who gives us the best chance to win this game? And when you rattle it off the way you did, well, Joe Flacco gives us the better chance to win this game, even if it doesn't make a whole lot of sense yeah. to pivot from Mike White to Joe Flacco. And meanwhile... Is Zach Wilson healthy, but they're just protecting Zach Wilson from Zach Wilson and or the lack of talent around him? Maybe, maybe. I, 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 I would bet that's part of the reason of why, you know, they're a little slow to throw him out there. You know, I do believe that he's probably not 100%, uh, but he's a rookie. He's certainly gone through his struggles, and they probably are like, wait, wait, wait let's, let's not rush anything. It's not worth it. He's the future still here for our football team. So let's just make sure he is totally 100%. And, hey, there'll be something for him to be learned from Joe Flacco as he's sitting here watching him prepare, you know, how he goes about thinking about the game. And, oh, wait, okay, it's third down. The Dolphins do these crazy blitzes. Hey, 
you know, in my years we did these type of things or my thought process was let's get the protection here and maybe you take advantage of that matchup. There's going to be some value there uh, for Zach Wilson to learn from a guy like Joe Flacco who's been there, done that, and uh, seen a lot of different defenses. So, you know, uh, that, I, I think there is positives there, but I, I think, like, to your point, they're, they're certainly not going to rush Zach Wilson back right now because of the way the team's playing, and they want to make sure he's totally ready to go. Meanwhile, there's another dynamic at play for Joe Flacco that has been a consistent theme this year all the way back to training camp. Joe Flacco. Hey, Joe. As you get ready to start your first game since November of 2020 and your first as a member of the Jets, are you vaccinated? Here he is from yesterday. Yeah, I'm not vaccinated. And just your reasoning for that? Yeah, listen, I mean, I, I feel like I definitely have my reasons. Um, I honestly probably like to talk about this topic more than anybody. It's one of those things that you debate with all the time, but... I've overall felt like it's more of a distraction than anything. Um, so I feel like to kind of talk about it too much and give you all my beliefs is more of a distraction than anything. I think the most important thing is going to play the football game. The mask is the giveaway now that people are sensitive to the reality that yeah. there were some COVID protocol violations happening in plain sight that the rest of us don't know about because we don't know who is and isn't vaccinated. They don't publish that information. Oh, what's that? Oh, is that Joe Flacco? Is that October 29? No mask? See, and, and, and I get plenty of Packers fans saying, why don't you point out all the other quarterbacks? Who? Well, we do. Plenty of quarterbacks were at press conference in, indoors without a mask and we didn't know their status. And the NFL deliberately, I don't know if it's deliberate or gross incompetence, just not paying attention, not enforcing, not doing anything. And Chris, you know what? If Aaron Rodgers hadn't tested positive 15 days ago. Yeah, who knows? I don't think Joe Flacco would have been wearing a mask. Probably not. During yesterday's press conference. I think a lot of unvaccinated players would still keep doing the things that they were doing. I think, but for the Aaron Rodgers positive test, we wouldn't realize that a lot of this COVID protocol stuff a lot of this COVID protocol stuff is just window dressing Yeah, that they have failed grossly to enforce, which should piss a lot of people off. It really should. That it's just words on paper that they weren't putting the appropriate time and effort into ensuring that the teams are properly enforcing, even when anyone can see these public press conferences and guys not wearing masks indoors talking to reporters when they know we don't know they know they're not vaccinated it really is astounding right it is I, you know to me that's where i never liked the fact that the nfl was putting the you know uh the the pressure or, or on the team going well what's the team's ability to do it like the team's the team's not going to do that i'm sorry no, it's got to be you, NFL government of all 32 teams, that does that. You know, again, we've talked about this. I, I, I think there's a lot of, again, the coaches and players, I don't think really give a damn. They don't. They're not going to enforce it. You know, that's just not how, you know, the NFL works. It's a man's man's league, and it's just not how it works. It's not, and it's just not the mindset of that play, the, that, the coaches or anything. The coaches, for the most part, are vaccinated. We know that, you know. Because, yeah, there's job-related issues there, certainly. You know, a lot of the players, of course, got vaccinated just because of the pure, 
hey, it's it's easier to be vaccinated to go through the year and my competitive desire, I don't want to miss a game or have to deal with anything like that. So that's where there's that aspect. But again, you're going to have your handful of guys on every team who are not vaccinated. Um, they don't really care. And I think within that locker room, the ones that are vaccinated, they don't really care that the unvaccinated isn't vaccinated. They don't care. They don't. So that's where I look at it and go like if the NFL, it's on the NFL to follow up on these procedures. I just don't think you can expect, you know, a guy like Robert Sala or Matt LaFleur who, you know, are coaching football teams and worrying about blitzes and defenses and offense and special teams and a bunch of personalities to now be like on the mask police. They're not. That's just not going to happen. I think that's especially not in Green Bay. No, especially not in Green Bay where they're tiptoeing around Aaron Rodgers anyway. Exactly. And they know it's he's a double got a strong there. opinion about right. this. Right. The last thing they're going to do is say, you better wear your mask and we're going to fine you if 100%. you don't. That, as we said last week, that $300,000 by the Packers was money well spent. Oh, and they've already made it back, and then some with their <laughs> non-stock stock. Did you buy your ownership yet? Did you do it? Did you pony still, up yet? I'm going to be talking to someone from the team today about whether or not I truly have to worry about being fined by the NFL for continuing to criticize the NFL. This isn't on the rundown, but I'm going to go ahead and wedge this in there. Apologies to Courtney for uh, calling an audible. But since we're talking about the COVID protocol situation – there was a memo sent yesterday by the league to the teams informing them that they are beefing things up next week because oh, I, of Thanksgiving. Because yeah. what's going to happen? Right. People are going to come to town. Guys are going to have family members at their houses. Maybe some people who aren't vaccinated. Maybe some people who are infected. So the testing protocol is going to change some. Masks for everyone in the building. Encouraging drive-through testing of family members. I love to that. Get ahead of potential outbreaks. They understand because you know what happened? It was around Halloween. Yeah. When we saw the uptick. Right. Guys out and about doing things, enjoying yeah. Halloween, going to parties. Right. We get a bunch of positives after everything had kind of calmed down. Now I think we see the signs and we see kind of the hot spots flaring up again. They, they are being more vigilant than they have been as the Thanksgiving holiday approaches because they, they're still getting very lucky. They're still, look, I. If you're going to have these protocols and not enforce them, then there is an element of luck that is keeping the house from caving in on you. They, they are wisely beefing things up in anticipation of what may happen Thanksgiving week and beyond, Chris. Yeah, it's smart. I mean, again, you know you're going to be crammed in some, some kitchens and some dining rooms with family members from all over the place. Yes. I mean, we know that you're going to have family members from all across the country where, yeah, some spots are a little more lax than others, right? Uh, and did I read it right, like, were they were they encouraging the the players to bring their families to the facility to get tested, or were they just yes. right? They were right, like drive through testing at the facility. That is that to me that that's a great thing. I mean, again, I think if I was a starting quarterback for a football team and it was Thanksgiving weekend, you know, I'd be like, hey mom, hey dad, you know, hey grandma, hey grandpa, hey uncle, hey aunt, you know, before you come here, stop by here and get tested. And let's just see where we're at here. Um, I, I think that's smart. Um, I'll, I'll say I'll give, I'll give some credit to the NFL for that one for sure. And, and by the way, on the way out the door for this segment, from time to time the NFL has conference calls with members of the media who are invited to participate and ask questions. And they had a COVID protocol conference call yesterday. Well, guess whose invitation got lost in the mail? Mike Florio's? 
oversight. It was an oversight. <laughs> Shocker. And I was not included. Shocker. An oversight. The guy who has been pestering them and they've ignored me on who else has been fined for protocol violations this year, just so we can see whether or not it was fair treatment of the Green Bay Packers. It was an oversight that I wasn't invited even though earlier in the day, the person who had the oversight was communicating with me because it was also an oversight that I didn't get the new memo that came out yesterday. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt this time. I doubt it. Oversight. <laughs> didn't get a chance to ask yeah. any questions that they, they don't want to answer. They didn't want you there. They Let's didn't take want a break you. before I get fired. When we return, <laughs> Ron two. Rivera, who got fired by the Panthers, is coming back to Carolina, and he's going to see a familiar face. Under center for the home team in Cam Newton. We'll talk about that one next on PFT Live. Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night. Student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.